Susie had just been told the story of Snow White for the very first time in her life. She could hardly wait for her mom to pick her up at daycare that afternoon. With wide-eyed excitement, she retold the fairy tale to her mom as they traveled home in the car. And after relating how Prince Charming had arrived on his beautiful white horse and kissed Snow White back to life again, Susie asked, Do you know what happened then? And her mom replied, Yes. They lived happily ever after. And puzzled, Susie looked at her mom and said, No, Mom. They got married. <laughs> In childlike innocence, that little four-year-old spoke the real truth without realizing it. Getting married and living happily ever after are not necessarily synonymous. Why is that true? I think largely because married couples have changed or ignored God's blueprint for marriage. They've departed from God's original design for the family. They've forgotten to read God's instruction manual. They've neglected to follow the manufacturer's directions. Home improvement. Last Sunday we began this mini-series by looking at Ephesians 5, verses 21 through 33, and God's blueprint for husbands. We discovered how a husband demonstrates submissive attitudes and actions toward his wife through loving her sacrificially, listening to her sensitively, lending her security, lavishing significance upon her, and leading her spiritually. I would say that if you missed that first lesson, I encourage you to listen to it online on our website or Facebook or order a copy of the CD at the bottom of your communication card today. Well, this morning, from 1 Peter 3... Verses 1 through 6, we're going to look at the flip side of the equation. That is God's blueprint for wives. Let's begin by looking at the Scripture. Before we dig into this text here in 1 Peter 3, let's just pause right now and ask God to speak to us clearly from His Word. Would you pray with me? Once again, O oh God, we hunger and we thirst for You, for Your truth, for our lives. And so again, we ask that You would open our eyes that we could see. Open our ears that we would listen. Open our minds we could understand. Most of all, open our hearts so we would receive the truth You want to speak into our lives today and that it would be planted there in our hearts and become a part of the fabric of our everyday lives. We're not looking for information today, God. We're looking for transformation. Change us in ways that only You can, we pray. In Jesus' name, Amen. Okay, well, let's work our way verse by verse through 1 Peter 3, verses 1 through 6, as we look for some timeless principles for home improvement today. Beginning with verses 1 and 2. Follow along in your Bible as I read it. 
Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. (laughs) Well, here's that S word again. (laughs) Submissive. Last Sunday, Ephesians 5.21, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We learn that the key, in fact, to all successful relationships is mutual submission. Submit to one another. Mutual submission. And so like Paul, Peter also emphasizes the need for submission in our relationships. As a matter of fact, Peter's development of this whole theme goes all the way back to 1 Peter 2 and verse 13 where he wrote, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men. And then in the verses that follow, all the way through almost all of chapter 3, Peter applies this timeless principle of mutual submission to all kinds of relationships in life. Citizens and government officials. Slaves and masters. Wives and husbands. Believers and other believers. And believers and unbelievers. However, I think his ultimate illustration of that is found in 1 Timothy 2 verses 21-25. through 25. And the example of Jesus' submissiveness to us in taking our place, paying the price for our sin on the cross. And it is immediately after this illustration of Jesus' submission that Peter writes in 1 Peter 3 and verse 1, Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands. Now don't miss that. In the same way. Way. The point is, wives are to be submissive to their husbands in the same way that Jesus has been submissive to us. Now, if that doesn't make you stop and think, hmm. I can just hear someone say, I'd be glad to be submissive to my spouse if he or she were deserving as a husband or a wife. <laughs> Sorry, but that's not God's blueprint for marriage. Notice the context of verses 1 and 2 in today's text are written especially to the wife whose husband is not a believer. I mean, that's one of the most difficult marriage circumstances. And yet the principle of submission still applies. Now we'll deal with Peter's advice. They may be won over without words in just a moment. But first I want to address another marriage principle that I think is implied very clearly here. And that is that God's blueprint for marriage presupposes that both partners, the husband and the wife, have a healthy, growing personal relationship with Christ. In other words, they're both Christians. That's the way marriage was designed by God to work best. Again, Ephesians 5.21 tells us to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. J.B. Phyllis translates that same phrase, because of your common devotion to Christ, assuming that you are both Christians. 2 Corinthians 6 verses 14 and 15 That's even more clear cut. In fact, let's read this one out loud together. Would you read this with me? Don't be teen with those who do not love the Lord. For what do the people of God have in common with the people of sin? 
How can light live with darkness? And what harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a Christian be a partner with one who doesn't believe? Again, God's blueprint for marriage presupposes that both the husband and the wife are, in fact, Christians. Now, having said that, with all of the love and the sensitivity that I can muster, let me talk about how this timeless principle applies to different people depending upon your present life circumstances. First, let me say a word to those who are not yet believers and are married to a believer. And my word would be, do investigate Jesus. Matthew 7 talks about asking, seeking, knocking. And I would say to you that if you're a Christian married or a non-Christian married to somebody who is a Christian, if you have not yet come to faith in Christ, don't just pass that over. You owe it to yourself to investigate Jesus for yourself. Who is Jesus and what should your response be to him? And then let me say a word to those who are believers who are married to an unbeliever. However that may have happened, the word to you is don't investigate divorce. Paul is so clear in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 that if the unbeliever is willing to remain with the believer, the believer should work with that situation. The believer should never initiate divorce due to his or her mate being an unbeliever. And then finally, let me say a word for those who are single believers and dating an unbeliever. My word here is don't investigate marriage. <laughs> don't. Second Corinthians 6 verses 14 and 15 is so very, very clear. What does light and darkness, what do Christ and Satan, what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? If you are dating an unbeliever, I would just say to you, don't! <laughs> if you play with fire, you will get burnt. Well, let's get back to today's text, 1 Peter chapter 3. By looking at verses 3 and 4 together, would you follow along in your Bible as I read them? Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Here Peter simply reminds us that true lasting beauty is not external, but it is internal. And frankly, we put too much emphasis on the external, the body, and not nearly enough emphasis on the internal, the heart. I'm reminded of what the Bible teaches us in 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. The Lord doesn't see things the way people see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And we need to learn to do the same. Because true beauty comes from within. Which brings us then to verses 5 and 6. Look what Peter says here. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands like Sarah who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. You are her daughters if you do what is right 
and do not give way to fear. Peter then concludes his discussion of true beauty by referring to the example of the holy woman of the past. Now, specifically, he names Sarah, Abraham's wife. Her full story is recorded in Genesis chapters 12 through 23. What does Sarah do? It says that she obeyed Abraham and called him her master. Interesting. The Amplified Bible kind of expands on that and puts it this way. Sarah obeyed Abraham following his guidance and acknowledging his headship over her by calling him Lord, Master, Leader, Authority. Now, we'll talk more about what that means in just a few minutes. But that's a look at the Scripture. Now, what lessons can we learn from our study together? Well, again, the key here, we've got to come back to this, the key to all successful relationships is mutual submission. Last Sunday we tackled the husband's submission to his wife. This morning we're going to tackle the wife's submission to her husband. In what practical ways should a wife demonstrate submissive attitudes and actions toward her husband? From these verses here in 1 Peter 3, here are five ways. First of all, it begins in her respectful approach. A wife demonstrates submissive attitudes and actions toward her husband by her respectful approach to him. Once again, 1 Peter 3 and verse 1 says, Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands. Now, Ephesians 5, 22-24, we read that last week. It expands on that quite a bit. So I want to come back to it again. Let's have, in fact, all of the women read this out loud with me. So gals, let's read this together. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Let me zero in on that phrase the husband is the head of the wife. Headship. This God-ordained protection, this God-ordained authority, this structure for the home, exists for a couple of reasons. First of all, by order of the creation. 1 Corinthians 11 verses 8 and 9 reminds us man was created first and then woman from man. And then secondly exists by order of the fall. 1 Timothy 2 verse 14 reminds us it was the woman who was initially deceived and then from the woman's deception, man followed. Now, this order is an order that God established clear back in the beginning with Adam and Eve, the very first marriage. But ever since this order was established, both husbands and wives have struggled with it. We shouldn't be surprised by that because in Genesis 3 and verse 16, God said to Eve, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Let me just explain that for just a minute. That's two wrongs in one verse. Your desire will be for your husband. God said to Eve, you're going to desire your husband's place. You are going to try to usurp His authority. I've ordained that He be the head of the household, but you're going to want that position. You're going to fight for it. You're going to struggle against His leadership. 
And then secondly, about Adam, he said, and he will rule over you. That's not right either. Because that's abusing this authority, you see. That's that's loading over. I'm in charge here. I'm the man. (laughs) Two wrongs. But very much reality. Now Ephesians 5 verse 33 sums up this first timeless principle this way. The wife must see to it that she respects and delights in her husband, that she notices him and prefers him and treats him with loving concern, treasuring him, honoring him, holding him dear. So wives, here's the bottom line. The symbol for a respectful approach is the night. Now some of you women are going to go, but the reality is that's how you are to see your husband. He is your knight in shining armor. And you must respect Him as such in order to follow God's blueprint for your relationship. It's about approach, you see. It's about how you approach Him with respect. And so the first practical way a wife demonstrates submissive attitudes and actions toward her husband is in her respectful approach. Number two, in her reverent Actions. A wife demonstrates submissive attitudes and actions toward her husband in her reverent actions. 1 Peter 3 verses 1 and 2 continues, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Now the scenario again that Peter alludes to here is all too familiar. A wife married to an unbelieving husband or could I expand on that just a little bit and say maybe a husband who might be a believer but isn't walking in faith or maybe I could take it even further and just allow me a little liberty here just say a difficult husband (laughs) one that's negative and irresponsible and irritable and insensitive and unromantic and whatever word you want to add to that list You see, wives, even though your husband may be difficult to live with, he isn't blind. He cannot ignore the behavior of his godly wife. That is what will ultimately win him over. It is not the nagging. It's not the complaining, the whining, the arguing. And it is not the note writing. Those tactics will only make matters worth it. In fact, they will push your husband away from you. Proverbs 21, verse 9 reminds us, better to live on the roof than to share the house with a nagging wife. Now, I'm not going to comment on that. But I am going to bring that right back to our text. And those words, without words. Now, if there's any key principle I could share with wives, it would be this one. Gals, just be honest. I mean, statistics tell us you speak three times as many words as a husband. (laughs) That's just in the course of your daily life. You are more of a communicator. But I'm just going to say to you, zip it up. Your, Your husband doesn't want to hear it. 
In fact, you'll push them away. Just zip it up. And by your behavior, by your character, by your lifestyle, by the person you are, you need to, without words, win your husband over. As Peter says at the end of verse 2, when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. This word see, by the way, is a Greek word meaning careful observation. Close study. Thorough examination. In other words, it's more than a casual glance. It implies focusing full attention. Why is that's exactly what your husband will do if you give yourself to purity and reverence? You're going to get his attention. And so the symbol for reverent actions is the microscope. You are, in fact, living under a microscope. Well, we all are, really. Can I just be honest? As Christians, aren't we? We're all under the microscope of the world. But in specific, Peter is applying this to the marriage relationship and he's reminding wives, you're under the microscope with your husband. And microscopes don't speak. They only show what's really there. So the second practical way that a wife demonstrates submissive attitudes and actions toward her husband is in her reverent actions. Number three, in her respectable appearance. A wife demonstrates submissive attitudes and actions toward her husband in her respectable appearance. Look at 1 Peter 3 and verse 3 one more time. Your beauty should not come from outward adornments such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. <laughs> Let me just stop there for a minute. There are some who have run away with this verse. I mean, they've run wild concerning outward adornment. And they're quick to point out, oh, braided hair, see, you should never go to the beauty salon. Never braid your hair, never fix your hair up, never get it tinted, never get it highlighted, never get it colored, never get a perm. You know, don't worry about your hair. And then they go on, gold jewelry, yeah, don't wear any jewelry. Nah, a woman should never wear any jewelry, and in fact, don't put on any makeup. <laughs> And then find clothes. Yeah, don't wear any clothes. Oh, no, no, I don't think that's what it means. But that's where this kind of logic would lead us if Peter is meaning a prohibition of outward adornment. Somebody quickly protests, but it says fine clothes. Okay. So what are women supposed to do? Wear frumpy, out-of-style clothes? Hmm? And by the way, who is the final judge on what clothes are or are not fine? It's interesting to me that those who believe and practice this actually call more attention to themselves than if they would just dress in style moderately. See, Peter's not condemning outward adornment here. If we read verse 3 in connection with verse 4, it's obvious that Peter's warning is about going overboard against patching up the externals while neglecting the internals. And in reality, we should pay close attention to both the inside and the outside. Ladies, at the same time that you are concerned with your inner character, you should also be concerned with your outer appearance. In his book, His Needs, Her Needs, Dr. Willard Harley identifies, quote, a good-looking wife and attractive spouse, unquote, as the husband's third most important need in a relationship. 
behind only, by the way, sexual fulfillment, duh, and recreational companionship. See, gals, here's the bottom line. The symbol for respectable appearance is the mirror. Men are visual responders. That's how God wired us. So the third practical way a wife demonstrates submissive attitudes and actions toward her husband is in her respectable appearance. Number four, in her reputable attitude. A wife demonstrates submissive attitudes and actions toward her husband in her reputable attitude. Here's the flip side, you see, of the outer appearance, and that's the inner attitude. In fact, let's read 1 Peter 3 and verse 4 out loud together. Would you read it with me? Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. This phrase, inner self, could be literally translated the hidden person of the heart. It speaks of a woman's character, nature, disposition, personality. I like to use the overarching term attitude. And what should the wife's attitude be like? Peter says it is to be a gentle and quiet spirit. (laughs) Now I can just hear some wives going, I'm not gentle and quiet. I don't want to be a whip. Well, don't misunderstand the attitude that Peter's describing here. He's not saying the wives are to be wimpy, passive doormats. Actually, this term speaks of strength of character. The word gentle is the same word that's translated most often in the New Testament, meek. Which comes from the root word that pictures a thoroughbred horse that has been broken and bridled. Think about that. Strength under control. It speaks of genuine humility, of someone who doesn't fight against God and others. It's the absence of a striving and contentious spirit. Quite literally, it's a picture of a bronco that doesn't buck. Now the word quiet implies tranquility. Someone who's at peace and rest, serenity, contentment, being relaxed. It's the opposite of being restless or anxious or stressed out all the time. And Peter says that this kind of a gentle and quiet attitude is what gives a woman unfading beauty. And it's reputable in God's sight and may I say in a husband's sight as well. Wives, here's the bottom line. The symbol for a reputable attitude is the heart. The heart. We're talking about the heart of the woman here. Enough said. So the fourth practical way that a wife demonstrates submissive attitudes and actions toward her husband is in her reputable attitude. Number five, in her responsive attention. A wife demonstrates submissive attitudes and actions toward her husband in her responsive attention to him. First Peter 3 verses 5 and 6, wives are encouraged to follow the example of Sarah. And the key phrase here, I think, is they were submissive to their own husbands like Sarah who obeyed Abraham. That's an interesting word, that word obeyed in the Greek. It literally means to pay close attention to. It's the idea of attentiveness, anticipating and responding to someone's needs. Now, wives, please listen. If you are the energetic type, 
Your tendency will be to dash all over the globe. If you're working, there's your job. Clubs, friends, classes, activities, even church activities. And unless you're careful, these things will occupy your time and energy, if not all of it, most of it. And you'll find yourself being more attentive to the needs and interests outside your home than to the one individual who is most important inside your home, and that is your husband. In their book, Rocking the Rolls, Building a Win-Win Marriage, Robert Lewis and William Hendricks give this advice to wives, quote, Become a student of the man in your life. Observe him. I would even suggest writing your observations down to help you more accurately pay attention to him. See, the kind who comes home and wants things to be neat, does neatness affect his moods? Write it down. Is he the kind who gets up on Saturday and has to mow three or four lawns just to feel good about himself? When does he get depressed? What usually comes before that depression? When is he most happy? Write it down. Always be on the lookout for clues that your husband gives you about what makes him tick. And in time, these observations will fall into definite patterns that will allow you, the expert in his life, to respond to him more wisely and appropriately. Unquote. Now, I'm sure as I say that, some wives are going to think, well, if I start paying attention to my husband like that, he'll take advantage of me. And if that's how you feel, then you need to take another look at the end of verse 6, where it says, Do what is right, and do not give way to fear. Do what is right, and do not give way to fear. That's your promise. God will honor your responsive attention to your husband. Don't be afraid to do what is right. Here's the bottom line. The symbol for responsive attention is the wash basin. Just as Jesus washed the feet of His apostles in the upper room and turned to them and said, you need to go and do likewise. Peter is in essence saying to wives, you need to gird yourself with a towel and a wash basin and you need to wash your husband's feet. So the fifth practical way a wife demonstrates submissive attitudes and actions toward her husband is in her responsive attention. In summary, what lessons can we learn from our study of 1 Peter this morning? We've taken a closer look at a wife's side of mutual submission today. In what practical ways should a wife demonstrate submissive attitudes and actions toward her husband? Five ways here. Right out of 1 Peter 3. It begins in her respectful approach to him, symbolized by the night. And then there's her reverent actions toward him, symbolized by the microscope. And in her respectable appearance, symbolized by the mirror. In her reputable attitude, symbolized by the heart. And in her responsive attention, symbolized by the wash basin. Home improvement. This morning we've discovered God's blueprint for wives from 1 Peter 3, verses 1-6. through Next Sunday morning, we're going to change the focus a bit and take a look at God's blueprint for parents or step-parents or grandparents or um, 
great-grandparents, or whatever category you fit into, guardian, I don't know, we're going to be talking about those principles of parents and children next week. Let's pray together. God, thank You for the opportunity that's ours always to open Your Word, to let it speak to our hearts. This is not an easy lesson. Just like last week's wasn't easy. This sometimes cuts against the grain of our human nature. What we've thought, what we've practiced. I pray, Lord, that whatever transformation you need to make in marriages, that we would be willing to do what you say and trust you. As Peter said, do what's right and don't give way to fear. When all else fails, better than that, before all else fails, follow the directions. Help us to be a people of the Word, I pray. Even in our marriages. And I pray for our wives here today. May they be responsive in appropriate ways to Your Word this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen.